Grab your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 39. We are back in Genesis. We are going to get done with this study this year. So help us God by his grace. That's what's exactly going to happen. Uh, we'll actually have plenty of time, obviously. One of the high school um, members, when we started, said, uh, you know, Genesis starts slow. There's a lot to cover in those first 12 chapters, and, and he did the math on that, and I think he came up with it'd take 30-some years to get through the Genesis study, and, and, and uh, come to find out we're, we're wrapping it right up. Okay, let's pray, and then let's get to work. You, um, you want to have a mindset to labor in the Word. If you just come and sit passively, you're not gonna get much out of this time. But if you're like Samuel and you're just determined, I'm not gonna let any of God's word fall to the ground, God's gonna speak to you, God's gonna equip you, God's going to inform you, uh, God's gonna outfit you for the life that he's called you to. And we need that, amen? amen? That was super weak, I'm gonna pray for you. Father, Lord, we need you, God help us to be ready workers willing workers uh, to be uh, determined that, Lord, we're so help us, God, by your grace, we're going to get, we're going to hear, we're going to receive what you have for us. Lord, we don't want to, we don't want to interact with, with your word in a, in a passive way. Uh, Lord, we don't want to hear the notes that I've put together. Lord, we want your word to speak to us. So Lord, speak to our hearts and lives. Have your way with us. Be glorified in us. Give us the ability to be able to see our need to submit to the principles of your word and then make sure you get all the glory. We ask it all in Jesus' name, amen. So here now we see, you know, we looked at Joseph as a son. Now we're gonna see Joseph as a servant. Uh, how his betrayal, what, what that leads to. We're gonna look at the bondage that he's in. And so let's just start out verses one through six. We're gonna title this section, Slave. Okay, Slave. This is a look at Joseph's service. Verse one, Genesis 39. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him out of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. So get this down in your notes. Verses one through two give us the key to living our life in this Egypt, in this present world. Notice the key phrase here. The Lord was with Joseph, right? That's everything. You know, here's Joseph back home. His brother, he grows up with brothers who hate him, but that's okay, no matter how bad it gets, the Lord is with him. So get this down in your notes. When the people that you love don't want you, man, just stay with the Lord. If you'll just stay with the Lord, you can get everything that God has for you. Don't you know you can go through this life, you can, you can live in this world rejected by people, but if the Lord is with you, well then, you're gonna prosper. Let's look at what that looks like in verses three uh, through six, we're gonna label this section Joseph's success. Verse three, the Lord's, you know, the Lord's with Joseph. 
and his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight and he served him and he made him, an over, he made him overseer over his house and all that he had he put into his, Joseph's hand. And it came to pass from that time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. And he knew not aught he had save the bread which he did eat. Everything in his life is under Joseph's control. And Joseph was a goodly person. Uh, That's King James for uh, Joseph was a smoke show. All right, he was a goodly person and well-favored, very likable guy. Okay, so here's Joseph, a slave in Potiphar's house, and look at the testimony on his life. Joseph, in his witness, he's a success. Potiphar saw that the Lord was with him. Man, that's a successful witness. When the lost world can see that you've got God in your life, man, that's a big deal, isn't it? So Joseph must have given glory to God for all of his successes. Everything that he touches turns to gold. How are you doing this, Joseph? Well, God's with me. Joseph was chum in the waters. He was was speaking. He was giving glory to God. Here, Potiphar is a pagan. He doesn't know the Lord. His name means devoted to the sun. It's because Egyptians worship Ra, the sun god. And so he's, he's named after their god, Potiphar, right? Devoted to the sun. More than that, Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh himself, and that's a big deal. I mean, here's a man, in terms of Pharaoh's kingdom, Potiphar is next to Pharaoh himself. Captain of the guard, entrusting Joseph with his entire household, all of his property, the only thing that Potiphar is concerned about, obviously he's concerned about his job, he's working for Pharaoh, But in terms of his affairs, his household, the only thing he's worried about is what's for supper. (laughs) I mean, he completely trusts Joseph because God's with him. He entrusts his entire household, all of his property, to Joseph himself. Joseph and Daniel are very much alike in this respect. Both rise to success. Uh, Both rise to responsibility, to success from their faithfulness, their own personal character qualities, their own personal merit, uh, their own personal integrity. And both Joseph and Daniel are the only two people other than Christ himself of whom the Bible records no sin. It's incredible. Both Joseph and Daniel, in terms of the scriptural record of their life, no sin is recorded of them. That's, and it's incredible. Both of them Uh, well-favored, both of them children of captivity, and God refuses, now they're both sinners, but God refuses to record their sin. Why? Well, because, and this is what we're gonna see in the life of Joseph, Joseph is a perfect type of Christ. Uh, You'll have people, you'll have commentators who will talk about Joseph and say that sin is recorded of him because he brags to his brothers. No, all he does is faithfully recount the dream while he messes with his brothers when they show up to Egypt. And we'll, we'll walk through all of that, okay? He's actually bringing his brothers through a process uh, of repentance, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll examine that when we get there. 
No, Joseph is a perfect, he was a sinner, obviously. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But what we're gonna see is his life perfectly illustrates for you the person in the life of Christ. So we need to look at Joseph. We need to examine him closely. So Pharaoh is trusting him with, I'm sorry, Potiphar is trusting Joseph with everything. And so get this down in your notes. Why did this happen? Well, because Joseph was on his job, right? He was all about it. He didn't allow his attitude to interfere with his work. Do you think he loved being taken a slave, (laughs) purchased by Potiphar? No way, but think, here he is, he's working for his slave owner as if he was working for the Lord. He doesn't cop an attitude, he doesn't only obey grudgingly, only while the master's watching. No, he worked well, he worked as unto the Lord, and God used him to bring profit to Potiphar. Why? Well, because God was not only with him, but he was meeting Joseph where he was at. So get this down in your notes, man. God will always meet you right where you're at. He'll always meet you in the place of your worst circumstances. How many this morning would say, I'm pretty sure that my boss might be the Antichrist himself? People are worried that the cameras are gonna record you. (laughs) Have you ever worked for someone that might be in the running for Antichrist himself? I did, I I had one of those one time. Uh, Unbelievable. What's the answer when you're in a hostile work environment? (laughs) What's the answer? Man, work like you're working for the Lord himself. Now, if that's to, you know, put the whole planet into bondage and under a mark of the beast system and all that, you need to find another job, okay, I'm just saying. But, okay, absent them, absent your job description being theft, depravity, iniquity, okay, you wanna work for that, for that jerk heartily as unto the Lord himself. That's what you wanna do. God met him where he was at, God's with him, Whatever he's doing now, it's prospering, okay? Don't miss that, but then more than this, here's, the, here's, here's, a, little, here's a little detail that, that, that adds to the problem that we're gonna see. Get this down in your notes. In verse six, we find out that Joseph was a hottie. Joseph comes from a long line of lookers. Uh, good looking people is great. Grandmother Sarah was a stunner. Remember kings were always trying to steal great grandma Sarah because she was a looker. Uh, His grandmother, Rebecca, was beautiful. So was his mother, Rachel. And so Joe has got model looks, okay? Model level, good looking. I mean, the boy got back, and anyone that's looking can see it, okay? He is put together right. And so get this down in your notes. Good looks can cause great trouble. Good looks can cause great trouble. I mean, beauty is vain. How many cover models do you know that are fervent for the Lord? Joseph is the exception. This would be the one area where he's not a perfect type of Christ. If you want to quibble about anything in Joseph's life, uh, it's that. I mean, Jesus didn't have looks that people would fawn after. Not Joseph, okay? That boy was a good-looking stud. And it it makes trouble for him. Uh, So let's look at the next section, verses seven through 20. We're gonna call this successful. Uh, How? Well, let's look at Joseph's self-control. Verse seven says, and it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph. So lust of the eyes turns into lust of the 
flesh, she said, lie with me. Okay, lie with me doesn't mean let's go tell a fib together. It means uh, let's get jiggy with it. It means exactly what you think it means. It, it, it means relations, okay? So, lie with me. Look at his integrity, but he refused. He said unto his master's wife, behold, my master wotteth not what is with me in the house, and he hath committed all that he hath into my hand. He's not looking over my shoulder. He doesn't know what I'm doing. He just trusts me. His entire livelihood, I'm responsible for it. There is none greater in his house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee. The one thing that Joseph can't do what he wants with is Potiphar's wife. I'm running this whole show, except you. How then, right? Here it is. um, There's none greater than I. I've got everything but you. Why? Because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And there it is right there. It wouldn't just be a sin against her or her against him or against Potiphar. This would be sinning against the God who was with him. You say sin doesn't hurt anybody. It hurts God. And it came to pass as she spake to Joseph, watch this now, day by day, This is daily, this is a daily battle. This is daily temptation that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into his house to do his business and there was none of the men of the house there within. And she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. She's commanding him, have sex with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. Okay, so in verses one through 12, what we're seeing is a real life Sadie Hawkins scenario. You guys know about the Sadie Hawkins dance. It's where the girls invite the guys. And, and, uh, and so this is, you know, they're gonna do more than dance. The reason she wants to have the affair with him was just stated in verse six, right? Genesis 39, six, and Joseph was a goodly person. He's a good, he's good to look upon. He's a very attractive male. He's a goodly person and he's likable. He's got a great, I mean, you don't have to pick between looks and a great personality. He's the total package, okay? He's well favored, very likable. So he's very handsome, he's very well built, he's a sharp dressed man. And so Potiphar's wife, every day, right? She's like, hey, (laughs) Joseph. She's singing little songs to him, you know, you and me, baby, ain't nothing but mammals, so let's do it like they do it on the dis- you know, <laughs> Discovery Channel. Okay, so there it is. I mean, she's just moving on Joseph all the time. And you have to know this is real temptation. That's your next blank. Joseph is tempted. Okay, this is one of the most amazing stories in the Bible because Joseph is the exact opposite of everything that our culture puts before young people. Right, he's not the elite rock and roll example that young people have today. He is a godly example to young people, well to all of us, that temptation can be overcome even if you have to stand alone in the face of it. You don't have to succumb to evil. You can be pure in your youth, you can be pure in your business, and you'll be greatly blessed by God if you walk in those steps of holiness following after the Lord. Girls, you got a guy in your life and, and, and he's pushing the relationship physically 
You wanna get him out of the romantic, word, uh, romantic mood whenever he's trying to put the moves on you, you just nuzzle up real close to him and, and you put your lips right in his ear and then you say, get behind me, Satan! That's what you tell him. <laughs> You're like, you rebuke it in Jesus' name and that'll put him right out of the mood. Okay, so there it is. So he starts off arguing Right? I mean, he starts with logic. Hey, look, hey, sis, look, this is not gonna happen. You get Potiphar is in the equation. It's not gonna, so he starts with logic. But look at what ends up being the bottom line. Verse nine, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And whatever push comes to shove, what does he do? She's got him by the garment, he shucks it and runs. He has to go outside. How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God, verse nine? God's with me, God's for me. It's not just illogical, it's immoral, it's sin against him. And here's Joseph, and I'll show you here in just a second. He's in his mid-20s. He's got youth, he's got beauty, he's got money, he's got a sweet chariot. I mean, he's got the prestige, he's got every reason in terms of a lost world to live an immoral life. But there was one thing that had to stop him and that was his relationship with God. Because God is with him, he makes a strong stand and look at, what is, look at what this guy is dealing with. Potiphar's wife just takes one look at him. She cast, verse seven, she cast her eyes upon Joseph and she said, delicious, right? I mean, she just, she has got the hots for this boy. Uh, she's, a, she's, a, she's a legit cougar, he's in big trouble. I mean, this is real temptation for Joseph. Real is your blank. He's gotta be tempted because do the math on this. Get what's happening in this story. story. She is the wife of one of the absolute most powerful men in the entire nation, in the entire world. She is married to a man of means. He would have come into this position, okay? Like his life was on this trajectory to be an officer, to be the captain of the guard. Okay, this guy was set like Chet his entire life. And so whenever it's time for him to take a wife, he's not gonna be taking wives from the dregs. Okay, she is herself going to be the total package. I mean, she, Potiphar's wife, would have been hot. Today, the kids would have said she's dummy thick. Okay, there it is. Because the devil don't tempt us with pug ugly, does he? No, that's not how it works. So here it is, he's young, he's beautiful, he's rocking and rolling, I mean, he's, he's killing it in his job. And uh, he's in a place where you, I mean, for most guys, this would be an area where a besetting sin would take them out. Nobody will know, I think she's serious. She doesn't want anybody to know. I think she, she obviously is into me. What, what kind of monster is Potiphar? He must, be, he must be mistreating her. Oh, my heart is going out in compassion to this beautiful woman who is not satisfied. Like, he would, most men would have had a logic chain that would have just made her happy. God help us. Verse 10 says, it came to pass as she spake to Joseph day by day. Every day she's after him, she's hounding him, that he hearkened not unto her, brothers, don't listen to a hoe. Don't listen to a tramp. Don't listen to the lost world that says you deserve this. 
Day by day, he refuses to, to, to listen, to, 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 to join her, to lie by her, or to be with her. Joseph, come run my bathwater. Joe, come fix me breakfast. Joe, come, see my, come, come look at my scarab collection. I mean, just always, she's just badgering this boy. The temptation comes over and over again. Okay, don't miss this. The devil is very persistent. He's not gonna give up on you. Just like God is with you, God will never leave you or forsake you. Well, the devil, he's the great imposter. He wants to do the same. He wants to woo you and win you to iniquity. Day by day, why? Well, so that whenever you and I read this story, we wouldn't be able to say that our circumstances are impossible. This guy was in the middle of a hot mess. Well, you don't understand my temptation. No, 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 no. There's nothing unique about what you're facing. Joseph faced something far more tempting, far more insidious, and he did what was right. Why, because he refused to sin against God. Paul says it's better to marry than to burn. Well, praise the Lord, this isn't an option for him in in this case. She's already married. I tell you what, it's better to burn than to be married to a monster. So whenever you're trusting the Lord for a mate, Make sure you're trusting the Lord for someone who is a a 1 Timothy 3 man, a Proverbs 31 woman. You can't have it any worse than Joseph had it. I don't care what you're facing. The problem you're facing was not bigger than Joseph's. This woman was stepping to him always, all day, and he refused to listen. He refused to entertain her. I mean, he's a man, man. Like, the plumbing works. He's in his mid-20s. His testosterone count is through the roof. And he said no. Now we know he's in his mid-20s because here it is, Joseph was in captivity, according to Genesis 37.2, he was in captivity. Um, um, I'm sorry, he was 17 when he was sold into slavery. We saw that in chapter 37, verse two. But he was in captivity for 13 years. How do we know? Well, Genesis 41.46 says he was 30 when he was taken out of prison and made ruler over Egypt. Do the math, 13 years in captivity. 17 when he goes into, he's in his mid-20s at this point and he stays faithful to the Lord. So you got these stories in your Bible, Eve was tempted, right? And she failed, Eve was tempted and she was overwhelmed with the temptation. Joseph was tempted and he overcame. Why, he's a type of Christ. You know, we don't have a high priest who doesn't understand what we're going through, the Bible says. He was tempted in all points just like you. He overcame. Why do we have these examples? So that we know how to follow after faith. So that we know how to to follow after God in a faithful way. Joe is a perfect type of Christ. Verse 11, Joe's doing his business in the house. The problem is, this is where he made, he, he didn't double check and make sure There were witnesses around. (laughs) So he got stranded, so he's alone. So this is a perfect situation from Potiphar's wife's standpoint. She catches him by his garment in verse 12 and she commands him, saying, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. So he ran away. Flee fornication. He did right, right? That's what Paul said to do. At some point, you can't reason with people All you can do is run. Some temptation you can't reason with, you just gotta run. 
First Corinthians 6 verse 18 says, flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2 verse 22, flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So it's not, the solution isn't just, I'm not gonna sin, I'm not gonna sin, I'm not gonna sin. No, I'm gonna follow faith with faithful men. You need people, you need encouragers in your life who are in it to win it with you. Flee youthful lust. Follow righteousness. The key to fleeing youthful lust is to just get your life busy following after righteousness. Man, how many hours, productive hours, are just wasted on just profiling, just hour after hour profiling porn? There's nothing there, there's no real relationship, there's no, there, nothing is being built in a person. You'd have been better off just getting in the gym, working out, and passing out. Build, build up your life with people who want to count for Christ. Get in a Bible study. Study till, I mean, study till you can't stay awake. How much better to be at the place where you're following hard after God so that he makes sure that you're with a proper help meet. You want God to be your wingman, brother. You want God making sure you get what's coming to you. And it is always interesting. Everybody gets what's coming to him. She grabs him by his coat, and instead of discussing the request with her, he just leaves the coat. He doesn't find out how close he can get to temptation and still come out okay. No, he fled, he went outside. Okay, so here it is, verses 13 13 through 18. We're gonna title this section, Fatal Attraction. This woman sets him up for a great fall. She can't have him, so she's gonna destroy him. It came to pass when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and was fled forth, that she called unto the men of her house and spake unto them, saying, See, he, her husband Potiphar, hath brought in an Hebrew unto us to mock us. He came in unto me to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice, and it came to pass when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried, that he left his garment with me and fled and got him out. And she laid up his garment by her until his Lord came home. And when he spake, when she spake unto him according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servant which thou hast brought unto us came in unto me to mock me. And it came to pass as I lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garment with me and fled out. So she's turning on, before, I mean, before all she wants is Joseph. Now she's turned on him with demonic vengeance. So get this down in your notes. This isn't love, this is lust. Lust is not love. Lust has a focus on self-satisfaction. Real love is self-sacrificing. And that's not, that's not what this woman is doing, right? She wanted what she wanted, how she wanted it, when she wanted it, the way that she wanted it, and when she couldn't have it, she's gonna burn the house down. Lust has a focus on self-satisfaction. Real love says, I'll die for you. <laughs> it's self-sacrificing. First Corinthians chapter 13, verse five says that love, charity, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in truth. Well, that's, there's not one word that describes Potiphar wife, Potiphar's wife here. Uh, check out Proverbs 7. Lust focuses on self-satisfaction, and it ends up to the hurt and destruction of many. Proverbs 7.10 
talks about a woman meeting a foolish young man in the attire of a harlot. She's subtle of heart, she's crafty uh, in, in finding Johns and finding victims, right? She is loud and stubborn, her feet abide not in her house. Now she is without, now in the streets, and lieth in wait at every corner. She catches this idiot, right, verse 13. She caught him and kissed him, and with an impudent face said unto him, I have peace offerings with me, this day I have paid my vows. Therefore came I forth to meet thee diligently to seek thy face, and I have found thee. I'm having trouble at home. My heart is really with you, I've, I've found you. This, this moron doesn't get that he's being set up. I've decked my bed with coverings of tapestry, with carved, work, carved works and fine linen of Egypt. I perfume my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love until the morning. Let us solace ourselves with loves, for the goodman is not at home. He has gone a long journey. He hath taken a bag of money with him and will come home at the day appointed. With her much fair speech, she caused him to yield. With the flattering of her lips, she forced him. That's what Potiphar's wife is doing. This is exactly the scenario that's playing out with Joseph. She's flattering, she's forcing, she's lying, she's conniving. Joseph overcomes, but here this foolish man in Proverbs 7 says he goeth after her straightway, as an ox goeth to the slaughter, or as a fool to the correction of the stalks, till a dart strike through his liver, as a bird hasteth to the snare, and knoweth not that it is for his life. You say, well, pastor, I know what comes next. He does go to the stalks. What good did it do, Joseph, to walk with integrity, to worry about sinning against God. Well, okay, stick with me, pay attention to the story. God's gonna use it in a marvelous way. God is with him, that's the big difference here. So in verses 13 through 18, this woman is lying, she lied. She's saying, this guy comes in to mock me, he came in to mess with me, to play around with me. This guy that you're bragging about, this, this, this Hebrew slave that you're so impressed with, tried to rape me. Verse 18, it came to pass as I lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garment with me and fled. I mean, she's like, this, this woman's like a Disney villain, okay? I'm the fairest of all, and if you can't see it, die. I mean, that's really how this gal's wired. And so she's like hyping up the prejudice of all the men in the house. This Hebrew, this Hebrew tried to rape me. You think he's so good. Oh, look at his multicolored coat. You know that, actually, dad's got that back home, weeping over. But just look, 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 look at this guy. You're so impressed with him. This Jew tried to rape me. What do you think about that? She makes her husband to blame for having Joseph in the house. I mean, that's how it started. I mean, that's how sin works, man. It's been like that since the beginning. You read, read Genesis chapter three. Um, Adam blames Eve. Eve blames the serpent for their sin. Man blames others for their own sin. She could have given his coat back. She could have just like, okay, bro, you do you, I'll do me. Bygones, let bygones be by. Nope, that, that, that's not gonna work. No, Joseph has to be destroyed. Why? Well, because 2 Timothy 3.12 tells you that all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. That's why. You're gonna count for Christ, then you will suffer with him. If you wanna be a Joseph, then you're gonna face persecution. Don't think that in this life you can get away with righteousness unchecked, okay? The enemy is always gonna check you. If you wanna live, you wanna walk in righteousness, 
You wanna walk in the integrity of Christ as far as Satan's concerned, he will try to wipe you out. He will try to destroy you for it. Now, pay attention, this is the second time that Joseph's clothing was used to bring a false report about him. You know, in both cases, right at home, he was serving faithfully under Potiphar, he's serving faithfully. But in both cases, Joseph ends up in bondage. His family sells him into slavery. And now Potiphar, right, he's gotten some freedom. He still belongs to Potiphar. But now with this lie, he ends up going into bondage. Well, so also for you and I, we wear Christ's righteousness as believers in Jesus Christ. We are clothed with the righteousness of Christ. And the Bible says all who live godly in Christ shall suffer persecution. And so you're living right. You're following after the word of God. You're trusting God for the reality of it over your life. Make no mistake about it. The world will not let that stand. At some point, the enemy will use something to try to make you come to the place where you're saying following Christ is not worth it. This is why we end up in the situation where we're not actually, our life isn't actually engaged in making disciples, winning souls, making disciples, equipping people for the work, because that, right, to do that means you have to endure hardness as a good soldier in Jesus Christ. You get rejected in being a witness. You end up discipling someone. It's a lot of work. Uh, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to support the discipleship ministries of this church. It's worth it, but in the moment, whenever you're suffering persecution because you're doing the right thing, well, you know, you'll come up with a list of reasons why it's time to quit. Here it is, I mean, he has broken relationships at home, his whole life gets destroyed, turned upside down, now he's got broken relationships at work, and his life is being turned upside down. Why is work so messed up for Joseph? Well, because he wouldn't, he wouldn't follow wickedness at, at work, and so he loses his job over it. Right, he doesn't cave in to illegitimate demands. And so he gets fired. Not only does he get fired, but he gets put in jail by a corrupt system, doesn't he? And he's done absolutely nothing wrong. Okay, is that right? Is it fair? Is this right? Is this fair to Joseph? There are no promises to the believer that life is gonna be right and fair. Not when you already have God in your life. Everything's perfect, right? I mean, you can suffer all things, because Christ, I mean, if God's with you, you're set. If God's with you, you're blessed. There's nothing, there's nothing in the Bible that says you're gonna have this great, easy, right, perfect life because you're a Jesus follower. No, this guy gets fired, he gets put in jail. The view that keeps Joseph straight, right? God's with me. You know, when God takes an innocent lamb and lays on that lamb, Joseph sins while that lamb's being sacrificed. Is that right? Is that fair to the lamb? When God takes your sin, turns his back on his only begotten son, because your sin is laid on the person of Christ himself, and a relationship that exists before time in the Trinity is broken over your sin, just to get you, just to get me, just to get sinners into heaven, was that right? Was that fair? Was that fair to Jesus? Was that fair to the Father? There's nothing fair about that at all. There was nothing, I mean, in terms of, of, of right and wrong. The guilty should carry their condemnation. The guilty should carry their punishment. 
It wasn't right or fair for Christ, but he took it for the joy that was set before him. He despised the shame, he carried his cross, and he took our sin to Calvary. Man, I'm so grateful that Jesus didn't need it to be fair or right or easy. I'm so grateful that he took up his cross and he suffered persecution because he lived the life we couldn't live. We hated him for who he was. We butchered our creator. And on the cross he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Man, I'm so grateful for the love of God that says it doesn't have to be fair. I want man in my life. So also for you, you're gonna face things that are not right, they're not fair but you can face them just fine because God's with you. The just one is with you, so you can can deal with injustice. Verse 18, it came to pass when the master heard the words of his wife, which she spake unto him, saying, after this manner did thy servant to me, that his wrath was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in the prison. So he's enraged. And he takes his, his main man and throws him in jail. Now, obviously, he's got doubts about his wife's testimony because what should have happened? Your servant tried to rape me. What normally would have happened? He would have been drugged right out of that house and his head was cut off right there in the, in the lawn. I mean, he would have killed him right then. No, he doesn't do that. He throws him in jail. So obviously, he must suspect his wife. So he puts him into prison. He doesn't kill him. All right, so in verses 21 through 23, this section we see Joseph slandered, we see Joseph's injustice. Verse 21, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. And whatsoever they did there, he was, Joseph, he was the doer of it. Okay, why does this keep happening with Joseph? He's favored with Jacob, he's favored with Potiphar, now he's he's favored with the prison keeper. Well, because Joe's a type of Christ. Read read Philippians chapter two. What does God do for Jesus in Philippians chapter two? He puts all things into his hand, right? Every knee bows, every tongue confesses that he's king of kings and lord of lords, right? Everything gets put under Jesus' feet. He rules over all. That's why this keeps happening to Joe. Joe is a type of Christ. Verse 23, the, the keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand, just like Potiphar before him, because the Lord was with him, with Joseph. And that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. My jail has never run better since I put Joseph in charge of it. So God's still with Joseph. And that's the answer, you you know, you may keep facing conflict. If you, I mean, the Lord's with you, you you be with the Lord, okay? Trust God to order your steps. Psalm 16 verse eight says, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall rest in hope. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thy holy one to see corruption. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy, and at thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. There it is. Right. Uh, you can keep moving forward in the hope of who you are and what you have over the fact that God himself is in your life. So this is key. I mean, if you're willing to keep God at your right hand, 
than even going to the pit, right? I mean, God allowed it in his providence. Well, you just trust him to bring the prophet, bring, bring his will to bear out of that time, that season of suffering. We know from Psalms 105 that Joseph was treated severely when he was first put in prison. Psalms 105:17 says, he sent a man before them, before the Hebrew children. Okay, there's a drought coming and it's gonna wipe out Joe's family won't make it, so he sends Joseph before them to Egypt, and we'll see how all that plays out. Who was sold for a servant, whose feet, the Bible says, they hurt with fetters. He was laid in iron. So, you know, being sold into slavery, he's bound. In prison, he is bound. So we need to have patience while we wait on God for the fulfillment of his promises. You may be going through a time where you're suffering persecution, where you're bound. I mean, you're suffering under some kind of fetter, right? There's fettering going on in your life. Man, wait on the Lord. God keeps his word to his people. Hebrews 10.35 says, cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience, that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe unto the saving of the soul. So here's the key, just like the Philippian jailer in Acts, right? Just like, just like Potiphar, Here are these men, these lost men, that see God is with his people. This this Philippian jailer comes and falls at Paul's feet. What must I do to be saved? God is with you, Paul. Potiphar, man, God is with you, Joseph. Why don't you just run everything? (laughs) The uh, the, 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 The Egyptian jailer, Joe, God's with you. Why don't you just run this jail? They see that God's hand is on his man. First Peter 5, verse 6 says to you and I, we need to humble ourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Man, can you trust God to live the life he's called you to his way? Can you trust God in the face of horrible circumstances that you're going to trust him for the reality of his word over your life? His promise to you is he'll never leave you or forsake you. His promise to you is that he'll make you an overcomer in Christ. In Christ, you're more than a conqueror. Will you believe him for that or will you look? You know, it's like Peter walking on the water. Man, Lord, let's let's take a walk. If it's you, call me out. And he does just fine until he gets looking at how rough the seas are, how, how, how bad the wind is, how big the waves are. Now all of a sudden, His eyes are off Christ, they're on his circumstances, and he's got reasons to give up. I mean, when you're out there walking on the water and you give up, that's a quick way to drown. Don't do that, okay? But what about your life? What about your situation? The way it's engineered, the way Satan wants to engineer it, the way he wants it to work out is to get you to quit, to get you to give up, to get you to stop being fruitful. Don't fall for it. Don't don't, don't do that. Don't fall for it like a dope. Okay, trust God, because God is with you, that whatever he puts in your hand, it will prosper. God, you're gonna use me for your glory. So Lord, I I can't do it myself. I'm humbling myself before you. 
Lord, you see my circumstances. You see my situation. What are you going to do about it? I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm taking my burdens to you, letting you know, right, what they are, what my problems are, but I'm going to keep following hard after you. And that's, that's the position of faith. That's faith-based living. See, most people don't need counseling. They need faith. People want to talk about it all the time. They want to talk about their problems. We don't need to talk about our problems as much as we need to be all about who God is and what God's doing in our life. And it's not just enough to flee fornication, right? To flee youthful lusts. More than that, we need to be following after faith. We need to be following after righteousness. We need to respond like Joseph. You know, at the point where you know he's with you and he cares for you, well, then you're gonna take those problems to the Lord and then you're gonna set your face like a flint and you're gonna face them. And you're gonna trust God to move you forward. You're gonna trust God to, to make his promises, to make his word reality over your life. Can I pray for you? Can I pray for you in the circumstances that you're facing? How many would say, Pastor, I'm facing some tough stuff right now. Would you pray for me? Let me see your hands real big. Okay, so there's several of us. As a matter of fact, if you're willing to do a little work, just put that hand up, okay? Just reach that, put that hand up before the Lord. Let me pray for you. Father, you see our hands. We're all people here right now saying we're standing in need of prayer. We're standing in need of seeing the reality of you in our lives. Lord, we see our circumstances and we're tempted to be overcome, overwhelmed by the trial that we're facing. And, and Lord, we just want to acknowledge none of us are facing what Joseph faced. None of us face what Christ faced at Calvary. Lord, we thank you for the Lord Jesus. We thank you for his willingness to suffer on our behalf, we thank you for the joy that he reckoned to be true in his own heart and life to take our place suffering your wrath. And just like Christ rose to eternal life, salvation, blessing, glory forevermore, these things that you're bringing us as your children through, Lord, we're trusting that you'll use them to refine us, to bring us into greater faith, into deeper dependence on who you are, but Lord, look at the issues that we're facing and God, would you show yourself strong on our behalf? Lord, would you help us to keep our hearts humble and perfect toward you? Lord, would you do what only you can do? And would you do it in a way so that none of us can miss it? So that we'll all be careful and quick to give glory to you. We want the lost to see that you're with us. God, we ask it in Jesus' name. Lord, if there are any here that don't know Christ as Lord and Savior, God, I pray that today would be the day of salvation. Those that are saved and they've been overcome and they have failed in sin, in sin. Let, day, let today be a day of rededication. Let it be a day of repentance. God, you're worth being right with. Have your way with our lives. We pray in Christ's name, amen.